I want to introduce you guys too. I don't, I don't get that many friends. Um, so having a new one uh, is wonderful. It just means that they don't, they hadn't, they don't know who I am yet. Um, no, I, I, you know, we've been talking so much about Greenway and where we're going in the mission that God's called us to, and so I've been uh, visiting some. Uh, uh, some of the folks in leadership in our town to just share the vision and uh, share what what is in my heart and your heart with our future. And so this week I had a chance to meet a gentleman. His name's Ron Campbell. He's uh, on our town council here in Leesburg. And it, I was just going to talk about Greenway. Found out that this guy is is a brother in Christ and uh, just has a heart of of. Uh, He's got like the DNA of destiny in him. It's just so awesome. And so he's visiting this morning. Ron, would you stand? I just want to have everybody greet you and say hello. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us today. Um, man, today's special for me in, in so many ways. I was sharing with uh, our, our guests today that um, I have a history with them that they didn't know anything about. When I was seven, eight years old, my father was pastoring a church, and um, he brought in a, a visiting pastor to speak one Sunday, and the guy was just mesmerizing. He was, he was just such a powerfully dynamic speaker and, and a heart swayer uh, toward the kingdom, and I was just a little kid, and uh, this guy's name was, was David. And he was a good friend of my dad's, and, and after church was over, uh, I heard them having this discussion, and, and David said he was moving to New York City, and this, gosh, this was back in the 60s, and uh, my dad was like, David, don't do that, don't go there, it, it is, it is a, a very uh, dangerous place, and he was, he was going into Brooklyn and, and uh, starting a ministry, and, and my dad tried to talk him out of it, but he wouldn't listen, and um, so this guy moves to Brooklyn and starts a ministry that, that is now world-renowned. Uh, his name was David Wilkerson, and he started uh, a church, but more important, he started a movement called Teen Challenge. And David Wilkerson, I don't know if you guys have ever read the book Cross and the Switchblade, but it's just a powerful book of how God used David in New York City to change the lives of of drug addicts and gang members. And um, in this uh, book, you'd read the story about a man by the name of Nicky Cruz. And Nicky Cruz was a, a, not just a gang member, he was a leader of one of the, the meanest gangs in New York City. And uh, David led him to Christ. And then he began leading fellow gang members to Christ. And one of the people that he met in New York uh, is now a very dear friend of mine. He, his name is Victor Torres, and Victor was a gang leader in New York, and Nicky Cruz led him to Christ. And Victor went on to plant a church in Richmond and start a ministry called New Life for Youth. And I've served on the board of that for, uh, I guess, over 25 years. I, I um, got to the point where I just could no longer uh, be of as much help as they needed, so I step, stepped down from that. But... He, that Victor has just been a hero of mine forever. And from the time I was, uh, gosh, 20, 21 years of age uh, till today, there are still people that I will sometimes just, I'll call up Victor or I'll call up somebody at New Life and say, hey, look, can I get this person in your program? And, 
uh, because they really need help. And, and honestly, if you see the statistics of, of success that New Life and Teen Challenge are having compared to anything the government has ever put out there, it's like mind-blowing. And um, uh, so, anyway, um, New Life for Youth has been a mission that we as a church have supported since our very beginning days as a church. Our, our first missions check, uh, we sent two checks, one to Haiti, to Pastor Pierre, and the other to uh, New Life for Youth in Richmond. And from day one, we have been supporting them financially uh, through today. I mean, we, we, they're just uh, really high on our, uh, on our radar. And um, there's another, there are another group of people here today that I want to introduce you to and, and just have you welcome them. Uh, we have some students and leaders from New Life for Youth with us today, and uh, I guess we asked them to sit on the front row to make up for our loss of students. So you guys did a great job. Uh, would y'all stand and let's welcome them here today. Thank you. Okay. We're so glad you're here. And much of today is about these folks and what God is doing in this ministry. But we have uh, an incredibly wonderful and special treat for you as a church today. And I'm going to set this up. Um, uh, the, we, um, well, I'll tell you what. Michael, come on up here. And... You start over there, and uh, yeah, don't you don't even. Some of you are clapping, and you have no idea why. <laughs> now I'm going to give you another chance to 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 applaud. You're you're over there. Don't take my chair, Michael. All right. So here's the scoop. I was I was here one Sunday morning, and somebody came to me and said. Hey, we've got this guy coming, and um, he's homeless. And we just want to let you know. And I don't know why they told me that, other than they thought maybe they just needed me to, right. to say hi, right? But somebody this morning found this. This is our DC Connect card, filled out by Michael Boudreaux, first-time guest, and... He has his shelter number where he was living, but really he was living out here in the woods. He'd been out there for four years. Um, how did you hear about us? <laughs> I walked in to say hello. Correct. <clears throat> and then further down on the card, he gave his life to Christ. <clears throat> yeah. Thank you. So... I'm hanging on to that card. How'd you find that? <laughs> I didn't. <laughs> we have magical people who work Boy. here that do all that stuff. Yeah, that, that's, that's a keeper. I remember uh, filling that card out. Yeah, yeah. Boy, you, I you really got, needed to. Yeah. Well, tell us about that because tell us a little bit about, like, when, when we found you or you found us, tell us how you ended up there. <clears throat> well, like the card said, uh, I lived in the woods. Right behind the parking lot. Well, they're not woods anymore. They're building houses. <laughs> they're building houses on my home, my former home. But anyway, 
I would crawl out of the woods and cut through this parking lot, and all I would see was the sign, Destiny Church, and I knew God was telling me, come here, but every time I would come, there'd be nobody here, no cars in the parking lot. So um, one day I came, I seen a few cars in the parking lot, I came in to say hello, I met a woman, she greeted me at the door, Mrs. Melinda Wooden, and um, we've been friends ever since. She led me to God, and uh, this, is, this was my church, um, right up until the time she said, she knew I had a, I had a drinking problem, and uh, she knew I needed God, and the only way that I could stop my drinking problem was through Christ, and she knew of a place that I could go, get help, but most importantly, to find God. And uh, these are my brothers right there. Hey, Michael, you, you just blew through like four questions I have. <laughs> I know you want to get to the end of this, but I'm not there yet. How did you end up in the woods? What, what was going on? Well, um, I wouldn't listen to anybody. My family didn't want anything to do with me. Any friends I had were like me. And um, I was living in shelters, the shelter up the road. But I didn't like it. And uh, I knew people that lived in the woods. And they lived in tents. And so one day or whatever, uh, um, I pitched a tent, and it lasted four years, mm. year-round. Wow. The only friends I had were, uh, I had a pet raccoon would live with me, honestly, in the tent, would come in, come out. I trained it. <laughs> <laughs> so long as I fed it, it was cool. <laughs> and, uh, and I didn't want to get a raccoon grumpy. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's, you know. Oh, man. <clears throat> Wealthiest county in the nation. And, and here you are training raccoons. It's, it's, um, so I, I, just, I do want to take a moment um, and talk about Melinda and DC Cares um, because they really did care. They, um, I think your tent actually died, if I remember right. Didn't, didn't they bring you a new tent. Yes. Yeah, they tried to get you out of a tent and you didn't want to do that, so you got a new tent. Um, if I remember right, uh, you got, uh, I'm sorry. Uh, well, as far as the new tent, uh, I'll just tell you just a little bit. When, when I met Melinda, she, uh, she said, uh, it was a Friday, I'll never forget it, and she said, well, Sunday is church. Um, would, would you like to come? And I said, I would love to come. She said, okay, where can I pick you up? I said, I, I live right behind the church. She said, right behind the church? I don't recall any houses right behind the church. I said, no, I live in the woods, in a tent. And she did not believe me. She said, show me. I said, I'm not going to show you where I live in the woods. Not a woman like you know. She She insisted on seeing, she didn't believe me, I brought her to the tent, she said, oh my God, 
she calls me up a couple of days later, so I'm thinking, let's go out and have some coffee. She, um, she meets me in the parking lot with a couple of brothers. They go down into the woods with a huge tent. They tore my tent down and put a brand new one up. Well, for me, I was living in a 9 by 5 tent. She brought a 9 by 14 tent. It was like two rooms. <laughs> uh, felt like I'm at the Waldorf or something, you know? I'm yeah. like, wow. You're you moving on up, you brother. <laughs> moving on up. Wow. And, and you got really sick. You, you yes, I, uh, yes. Uh, uh, I was staying at my sister's house. Well, well, she was always on me about new life for youth. I never heard of it before. All I thought was, uh, I'm going to go to another rehab, and I knew that wouldn't, that wouldn't um, last, because I would just leave and go right back to the old me. And uh, this one weekend, I was staying at my sister's house, and I was trying to quit, you know, alcohol. And so I, I, it was a couple of days I didn't drink, and I felt funny one day, and... I passed out. They had to rush me to the hospital. I had a seizure, and I broke my uh, sternum when I hit the table. And when the doctor came in, the doctor said, you could have died if there was nobody in that house to call 911 on you. But the main reason you had a seizure was because of your drinking. And if you don't stop drinking, you're going to die. So... First thing that came to my mind was Melinda. So I call her up and I said, you know what? Now this is a couple of months later because I always try to brush it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not ready to quit drinking, but now I am. So I said, you remember that place that uh, you, were, you always tell me about? Do you think that I could still uh, get in? She says, oh yeah. Well, I've been waiting for, for you to make this phone call. And um, here I am now, seven yeah. months later. I know you're jumping ahead. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, you went to New Life. Tell us about that. Tell us about what's been going, going on at New Life. Uh, I, well, uh, um, well, I went to detox first, and then I went to New Life, not expecting what I went into. I wasn't expecting, like, Bible camp, <laughs> you know, you know that I, you know, everybody loves Jesus, but um, you know, at first I said, "Wow, this is almost like, you know, I don't want to be a pastor." <laughs> no, no, you, you know, don't want to do that. You know, I'm not. Yeah. I'm not. You know, somebody, somebody called me an Easter egg today. Yeah, yeah but. Uh, but as you don't the want to be a pastor. Yeah. As the days went on, I uh, I adjusted. I love it, and you know I can't wait to uh, every day it uh, it breezes by. And, uh, you know now, now I don't want to get ahead of your questions because I <laughs> no you know, you're catching on, Michael. I mean, yeah, <laughs> but but God has changed you. Are are you free? Excuse me. Are you free? Uh, yes, I am, but uh, I have to admit that um, I did slip one time. That was last month. I, uh, I slipped. 
But I think that I had to because I, I was so confident in myself thinking, you know, I don't need no more of this or that, but I do. I'm not ready to leave, but um, by slipping that one time, I know that um, you let your guard down, Satan's right there, ready to say, go ahead, do the, nobody will know, or, you know, but, uh, but I'm back on track now, and uh, I'm happy, I'm mm. very happy, I'm very happy to be here, I, I see a lot of familiar faces, excuse me if uh, the name don't go with the body, but uh, I, uh, I'm bad with names, you know. I mean, I'll never forget Melinda, but, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah. But I am very happy, and... Okay, now, now you're free from me. You can share anything you want to. Um, what do you want to share? Well, what I want to say is, um, if there's anybody out there, yourself or anyone that you know that uh, is like me, whether it be drugs, pills, alcohol, and they just can't, can't kick it, and they need Jesus, especially if they need Jesus. New life for you is the place for you or them. Because uh, if it helped me, me of all people, definitely help you, any one of you. And they just wait until make that phone call like I made, and it will help you. It'll change your life. Like a change my yeah. So <clears throat> Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So Remain standing, if you would, because I want us to pray for Michael and for his brothers at New Life and um, for Hallelujah. the people that God is going to continue to lead us to as a church. Father, oh, this has been the greatest moment today uh, that, that could be provided to see what you're doing in the life of this man what you've done and what you're going to continue to do. And, and then, Lord, he's sharing his faith with others and other lives are being changed and challenged. And I'm just so thankful and so humbled and so honored to stand beside of Michael today and, and just be part of this story. I pray that, God, you would strengthen him. Lord, that when Satan throws these darts at him, that your word, your spirit would just take over as a force against evil. And Lord, that his healing would be complete, that he would not be coping with this, but he would be an overcomer. And Lord, that, that um, he would lead many others to freedom, the freedom that he is finding today. And Lord, um, I just pray for his brothers. I pray for the brothers at New Life at the ranch today and those that are in the intake facility and, and the, 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 the New Life for Youth girls and ladies as, as 
they're going through these situations. I pray that you would just minister to them and challenge them. And, and I pray there would be victory upon victory upon victory coming out of New Life for Youth and coming out of our church and coming out of, through the lives of these men and women. And Lord, we are humbled today because you have taken what some would consider the least of these and done something incredible in and we're humbled to be part of this story today. We love you and we praise you and we pray all this in the wonderful name of Jesus Christ. Amen, amen, amen. We love you, Michael. I love you too. Yeah. Ah, oh, man. Jonathan, come on up. I want to introduce you to Jonathan Colvin. Uh, he is uh, one of the directors at New Life, and we're so blessed to have him with us today. And he's going to share a little bit about New Life for Youth, uh, just tell you what, what's going on. And uh, then I think he and his band are going to have a song. They're going to lead us in some more worship. And then I'll, <clears throat> I'll be back. Good morning. First of all, I just wanted to say that um, it's been a real pleasure getting to know you guys so far this morning. We've received such a wonderful welcome from everything uh, in, in the youth room where we were gathered this morning to the leadership coming in and praying with us. It's been really an amazing experience. You know, we've been looking forward to this for, for quite some time. We, we tried to do it uh, a few months ago, and then we, there were some, um, some scheduling problems in this set and the other, but we're just real thankful. We're thankful to God and thankful that, that, that even I got to experience that with Michael. Again, I know I see Michael every day, but man... What a powerful, powerful thing that God's doing in, the, in his life and um, really in the life of everybody and in the program. And, and you heard a little bit about the history, Pastor Greg. It was amazing. I didn't know that connection you had with Pastor Torres. And um, you had heard uh, already that Pastor Torres, who founded our program, he, um, he's also a pastor of a church called New Life Outreach International. It's in Richmond. Um, not only do we have the facility where we all are at, uh, it's in Beaver Dam, Virginia, the 118-acre farm, where it's, it's amazing. We get a chance to get away for a year out literally in the country and just spend time getting close to God. Uh, we also have two men's facilities in Richmond as well as two women's. We have a women's home called the Mercy House and then the Mercy Moms. And what they do there is they allow mothers to have their children come be with them while they're in the program as well. Um, just a little bit about what we do. Um, you know, it is a 12 to 18 month Christian discipleship program. You know, any, any type of um, problem that any of us are facing with any of our life controlling issues, like Michael said, whether it be drugs or alcohol or, or anything that, it, that is standing in the place of God in our life, that's what we work on to remove. Um, uh, we spend time learning about our faith. We spend time worshiping. We spend time fellowshipping with each other. Um, we create an, an amazing brotherhood that we have uh, with each other through this process. Uh, reading the Bible, learning about it. We have speakers come in uh, each week, uh, pastors and other brothers to come in and speak to us. Um, so it's really, it's really a way to remove us from our, from our addictive, addictive lives, remove us from the things that have just controlled us and separate us for a year to 18 months to allow us to just get close to God, to find out what it is that God is calling us to do as men and start living it. That's the program, but this is what really goes on. Jesus Christ is at work. God is at work in that program. 
God is at work in everything that we do. God is at work in the things that we, the, in the music that we play, in the, in the way that we relate to each other. We learn a lot about love, how to love your brother, and a lot about how to love your community and work within. We have vocational programs. Um, the biggest thing, though, is, is what you just saw, is, is the power of Christ in our lives and to, to in someone like Michael's life, in my life, I'm actually, uh, you know, part of the program, so student of the program. Um, we have this group, our, our little group of musicians, we're called God's Miracles. This is what we do. We travel to churches. It's our hope um, each, uh, each Sunday of the month and share testimonies, share some worship music with people. The bottom line, what I feel personally, what God has called me to do and what I think God's calling our ministry within a ministry to do is to share that with people. Because the opiate, the opiate addiction problem, addiction, alcoholism, it's, it's reaching epidemic proportions. And I believe that um, there's going to be a greater need for this. There's going to be a greater need for programs like this. There's going to be a greater need for the understanding of that Jesus Christ is the answer to this problem. There's, like, like Pastor Greg was saying, you know, the government, I, I, I really feel like they're scratching their head right now on how and what to do with this. And unfortunately, it might get worse before it gets better, but we know what we have. We know how to, we know how to share it, and that's what we're going to do. So, you know, I really appreciate, we all really appreciate you allowing us to be here today and share that with you. Um, Michael, thank you for that. I, I was, that, was, that, that touched me. I appreciate that. So we're going to sing a song for you. Um, this is called Redeemed. And what it does, it speaks to us personally because we don't have to be the, the old man anymore. We don't have to live those lives that we lived. I lived my life of addiction for 28 years you know, divorce, haven't seen my daughter in over five years. All these things that we grow up and we want, we want to have in our lives as men. And we let something like addiction and the devil take that away from us. We don't have to do that anymore. So we're, we're going to sing a song called Redeemed for you. Go ahead. And um, thank you. Hope you enjoy
up your head I remember oh God you're not done with me yet and I am redeemed you set me free so I'll shake off these heavy chains wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed I don't have to be the old man inside of me Cause his day is long dead and gone I've got a new name, a new life I'm not the same, a love that will carry me me free so I'll shake off these heavy chains wipe away every stain I'm not who I used to be I am redeemed I am redeemed thank God redeemed Okay, I could just stop right here, but I'm not going to. Thank you guys so much. Oh, just so refreshing today. Today is uh, Palm Sunday, which I have uh, honestly always struggled with because um, it's... It's just, it's just kind of a weird religious holiday. On one hand, uh, it, it's a chance for us to really think about worshiping Christ. And, and then there's the other hand. And, and so what I want to do for just a couple of moments today, and it really ties in with Michael's story and, and everything that we've heard today, is, is I want to talk about Palm Sunday a little differently today. And in this, you'll sense my frustration with the day itself. Um, I don't really know how to describe it. I kind of look at it on one hand, and in a silly way, a kind of an analogy of me, somebody at my age, having a birthday party. Um, people come, and they're smiling, they're happy, and they're cheering. And then inside, I'm thinking, oh, crud, another birthday. And, and it, it's, it's like that fight. And then I start thinking, wonder what they're so happy about. You know, I start thinking it's some other thing going on there. But in, in a sense, when you read the story of Jesus in Palm Sunday, what we call Palm Sunday, it, it's, it's all about this triumphant entry into Jerusalem. And, and it really, you know, there are, there are four, um, four pictures of the story in the New Testament and all four of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And... And each one gives a little different picture, but the book of Luke really kind of cleans up some stuff or confuses some stuff, depending on how you, 
you look at it because you see the story, you see Jesus riding on this donkey that, you know, and, and all the provisions were made for that. And, and he's going in toward Jerusalem and, and in churches all across our country today and maybe across the world, there are people who are going into churches and they're thinking about the triumphant entry and many times people get handed palm branches and many of you have, have carried those in or, or you know, you've been handed something in, in recognition of this moment. But then you read something and you do not know what to do with this and it's spelled out in the book of uh, Luke chapter 19. And Jesus is being thronged by the crowds. They're just they're they're screaming hosannas to him. They're shouting about his greatness. And and in one place, you know, people people somebody tried to get people to quiet down. And Jesus said, "Look, if 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 this doesn't happen, the rocks themselves will cry out." But then Jesus, his donkey goes over a little hill, and he can see the city of Jerusalem. And he begins to weep on this great triumphant day. And where there's shouting and cheers and triumph in his heart, there's something that's breaking. And he says this, he goes, how I wish that you had seen what today is all about. How I wish you would have experienced what I came to tell you about. And then he said something that is heartbreaking. He said, but it's too late. It's too late. And, of course, that leads to his crucifixion and everything else changing. In Luke chapter 4, verse 18, it says this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, for He has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. This is Jesus mission when he was on earth he's anointed me god's anointed me to bring good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim that captives will be released that the blind will see that the oppressed will be set free and i guess the the short message that i want to share today is that i wonder how much the church is waving palm branches around and Jesus is crying. wonder how oblivious we are to the call and mission that Christ has placed at our feet. This, this uh, connect card that Michael filled out, is, it means so much to me. Um, I have a wall of these, and I'm not going to put Michael's card on that wall because... Um, this is a wall that uh, I just started putting cards on a couple of years ago. These are the names of people who did exactly what Michael did, who filled out the card. Some of them were first-time guests. It tells how they found out about us and they committed their lives to Christ. But they have died. And the number of cards on the wall are starting to increase. And sometimes when I get a little concerned about are we doing the right things? Are we doing what we're supposed to be doing? Are we on mission? I'll just go look at the cards. And 
then I, I get more concerned because I want us to make sure that we are on mission. And, and I don't want it to be too late. So, I've got a couple really tough questions to ask you today. We, you guys that have been part of our church, you know, I've, I've, over the last year, I have really gone to bat with this idea. Um, Ron and I were talking earlier this week. I was kind of sharing with him some of my thoughts on, on this. And 60% of our community, the people in our community, will never go to anybody's church. They have no interest in going to church. They, you know, they just tell you right up front, we're never going to anybody's church. We don't care about church. And, and I get that. You know, um, it doesn't excuse us from trying to reach them. And a lot of our mission for the future in Greenway is wrapped around that. But that still leaves 40% of people who, like Michael, would show up if they were invited. They, 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 don't, they, they don't know anything about us. They don't know what we do. Many of them don't have any church background. Uh, they're just hurting people. And, and they drive down this road and they see Destiny Church and we're right by the Moose Hall and they kind of put us in the same boat. You know, it's kind of like a club and how, they don't even know how you get in there. And, but they're just longing for somebody to care for them, to, to, to share Christ with them. And, and, and so my, my first question to you today is for all of us Palm Branch waivers, and, and I'm not trying to point fingers at anyone because I have to ask myself the same question all the time. And the question is this, who was the last lost person that you invited to come to church or you invited to Jesus? Just, just for a moment, what's their name? What's their name? And if you're like me, I, I already knew I was going to ask the question, so I, I have the name. But it's been a while. And I wonder if we're waving the branches and Jesus is crying. I wonder if we're talking Jesus, we're talking Christ and Christian and all the things, and we are doing nothing to reach the hurting and the lost. And it's very personal. I get that. And I am invading some of your space. I get that. But I don't want to fall into this trap. I don't want us as a church to fall into this trap. When's the last person, the last lost person? Maybe you ought to write their name. And maybe if you can't, just write a blank line and begin to pray that God would help you fill that blank. And I know this is a this is a message to to church people today. I I get it. Um, I just don't want us waving palm branches and Jesus is crying because we're not doing what we're supposed to do. In Ephesians two, it says that God Himself gave us new lives in Christ Jesus. He's done that for us. What what He is doing in Michael's life. He has been doing in our lives. One of the brothers, we were, we were praying in the back room today, and he prayed something. And man, it hit me like a ton of bricks. 
He said, thank you, God, for bringing honor back to me. And God has done that for so many of us. Where we were lost, we were messed up, we were out there doing whatever and, and going nowhere really fast. And God has brought honor to us. And that's what this is talking about. God Himself gave us new lives in Christ Jesus. And here's what the Apostle Paul finished with. He planned that we would spend these lives in helping others. So I don't really need to say a whole lot more. I do want to bring your attention to these Easter invites. They're in your program today. Probably in the 40% number, the people who would come to a church, they are more likely to come to an Easter service than at any other time in their life. We have seven days. I want you to grab a couple of these. We, I think we've got some more out front. If not, we've got the programs you can go through and rummage through and you'll get some more of these. But who are you inviting? Let's not be waving palm branches when people are dying. Let's, let's feel the tears and invite as many people as we can who need Jesus to experience something next Sunday that they're dying for. Lord, Today has been a very unique and special day. It's a day of rejoicing as we watched our brother sit here and tell his story. Ah, oh, life. It is, it is so precious. And we're cheering and we're excited and we stand and, 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 and we applaud and, and it's wonderful. Yet all around us is brokenness and hurt and pain. And Lord, it's, it's over in the woods and it's in the gated communities. It's at the workplace. It's in the schools. It's in our hospitals. And it's at the rec centers. The pain and hurt is everywhere. And I pray, Father, that you would help us to take this to an entirely new level of love and begin to do everything we can to make sure that it is never said over the life of the people around us, it is too late. 